Chapters fifty four and fifty five of Don Quixote, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brianna Simmons. Don Quixote, Volume two, by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by John Ormsby. Chapter number fifty four which deals with matters relating to this history, and no other. The Duke and the Duchess resolved that the challenge Don Quixote had, for the reason already mentioned, given their vassal, should be proceeded with, and, as the young man was in Flanders, whither he had fled to escape having Donna Rodriguez for a mother-in-law, they arranged to substitute for him a Gascon lacquey named Tosilos, first of all carefully instructing him in all that he had to do two days later the duke told don quixote that in four days from that time his opponent would present himself on the field of battle armed as a knight and would maintain that the damsel lied by a half-beard nay a whole beard if she affirmed that he had given her a promise of marriage don quixote was greatly pleased at the news and promised himself to do wonders in the lists and reckoned it a rare good fortune that an opportunity should have offered for letting his noble hosts see what the might of his strong arm was capable of and so in high spirits and satisfaction he awaited the expiration of four days which measured by his impatience seemed spinning themselves out into four hundred ages let us leave them to pass as we do other things and go and bear sancho company as mounted on dapple half glad half sad he paced along on his road to join his master in whose society he was happier than being governor of all the islands in the world well then it so happened that before he had gone a great way from the island of his government and whether it was island city town or village that he governed he never troubled himself to inquire he saw coming along the road he was travelling six pilgrims with staves foreigners of that sort that beg for alms singing who as they drew near arranged themselves in a line and lifting up their voices all together began to sing in their own language something that sancho could not with the exception of one word which sounded plainly alms from which he had gathered that it was alms they asked for in their song and being as said hamet says remarkably charitable he took out of his aliforias the half-loaf and half-cheese he had been provided with and gave them to them explaining to them by signs that he had nothing else to give them they received them very gladly but exclaimed geld geld i don't understand what you want of me good people said sancho on this one of them took a purse out of his bosom and showed it to sancho by which he comprehended they were asking for money and putting his thumb to his throat and spreading his hand upward he gave them to understand that he had not the sign of a coin about him and urging dapple forward he broke through them but as he was passing one of them who had been examining him very closely rushed toward him and flinging his arms around him exclaimed in a loud voice and in good spanish god bless me what's this i see is it possible that i hold in my arms my dear friend my good neighbor sancho panza but there's no doubt about it for i am not asleep nor am i drunk just now sancho was surprised to hear himself called by his name and find himself embraced by a foreign pilgrim 
and after regarding him steadily, without speaking, he was still unable to recognize him. But the pilgrim, perceiving his perplexity, cried, What? And is it possible, Sancho Panza, that thou dost not know thy neighbor Ricote? And the Morisco shopkeeper of thy village? Sancho, upon looking at him more carefully, began to recall his features, and at last recognized him perfectly, and without getting off the ass, threw his arms round his neck, saying, Who the devil could have known thee, Ricote, in this mummer's dress thou art in? Tell me, who has Frenchified thee? How dost thou dare return to Spain, where if they catch thee and recognize thee, it will go hard enough with thee? If thou dost not betray me, Sancho, said the pilgrim, I am safe, for in this dress no one will recognize me. But let us turn aside out of the road into that grove there where my comrades are going to eat and rest, and thou shalt eat with them there, for they are very good fellows. I'll have time enough to tell thee, then, all that has happened me since I left our village in obedience to His Majesty's edict that threatened such severities against the unfortunate people of my nation as thou hast heard. Sancho complied, and Ricote, having spoken to the other pilgrims, they withdrew to the grove they saw, turning a considerable distance out of the road. They threw down their staves, took off their pilgrims' cloaks, and remained in their underclothing. They were all good-looking young fellows except Ricote, who was a man somewhat advanced in years. They carried alforjas, all of them, and all apparently well-filled, at least with things provocative of thirst such as would summon it from two leagues off. They stretched themselves on the ground, and making a tablecloth of the grass, they spread upon it bread, salt, knives, walnut, scraps of cheese, and well-picked ham-bones, which, if they were past gnawing, were not past sucking. They also put down a black dainty called, they say, caviar, and made of the eggs of fish a great thirst-wakener. Nor was there any lack of olives, dry, it is true, and without any seasoning, but for all that toothsome and pleasant. But what made the best show in the field of the banquet was a half a dozen botas of wine, for each of them produced his own from his alforjas, even the good Ricote, who from Morisco had transformed himself into a German or Dutchman, took out his, which in size might have vied with the five others. They then began to eat with very great relish, and very leisurely, making the most of each morsel, very small ones of everything, they took up on the point of the knife and then, all at the same moment, raised their arms and botas aloft, the mouths placed in their mouths, and all eyes fixed on heaven, just as if they were taking aim at it, and in this attitude they remained ever so long, wagging their heads from side to side, as if, in acknowledgment of their pleasure, they were enjoying while they decanted the bowels of the bottles into their own stomachs. Sancho beheld all, and nothing gave him pain, so far from that acting on the proverb he knew so well. When thou art at Rome, do as thou seest. He asked Ricote for his bota, and took aim like the rest of them, and not with less enjoyment. Four times did the botas bear being uplifted, but the fifth it was all in vain, for they were drier and more sapless than a rush by that time, which made the jollity that had been kept up so far begin to flag. Every now and then some of them would grasp Sancho's right hand in his own, saying, Espanoli y Tudeschi tutto uno, bon compano. And Sancho would answer, Bon compano, jura di, and then go off into a fit of laughter that lasted an hour, 
without a thought for the moment of anything that had befallen him in his government, for cares have very little sway over us while we are eating and drinking. At length the wine, having come to an end with them, drowsiness began to come over them, and they dropped asleep on their very table and tablecloth. Ricota and Sancho alone remained awake, for they had eaten more and drunk less, and Ricote, drawing Sancho aside, they seated themselves at the foot of a beach, leaving the pilgrims buried in sweet sleep, and without once falling into his own morisco tongue, Ricote spoke as follows in pure Castilian. Thou knowest well, neighbor and friend Sancho Panza, how the proclamation or edict his majesty commanded to be issued against those of my nation filled us all with terror and dismay. Me at least it did, insomuch that I think before the time granted us for quitting Spain was out, the full force of the penalty had already fallen upon me and upon my children. I decided then, and I think wisely, just like one who knows that at a certain date the house he lives in will be taken from him, and looks out beforehand for another to change into, I decided, I say, to leave the town myself alone and without my family, and go to seek out some place to remove them to comfortably, and not in the hurried way in which the others took their departure, for I saw very plainly, and so did all the older men among us, that the proclamations were not mere threats, as some said, but positive enactments, which would be enforced at the appointed time. And what made me believe this was what I knew of the base and extravagant designs which our people harbored, designs of such a nature, that I think it was a divine inspiration that moved His Majesty to carry out a resolution so spirited. Not that we were all guilty— for some there were true and steadfast Christians, but they were so few that they could make no head against those who were not, and it was not prudent to cherish a viper in the bosom by having enemies in the house. In short, it was with just cause that we were visited with the penalty of banishment, a mild and lenient one in the eyes of some, but to us the most terrible that could be inflicted upon us. Wherever we are we weep for Spain, for, after all, we were born there, and it is our natural fatherland. Nowhere do we find the reception our unhappy condition needs, and in Barbary and all parts of Africa, where we counted upon being received, succored, and welcomed, it was there they insult and ill-treat us most. We knew not our good fortune until we lost it, and such is the longing we almost all of us have to return to Spain, that most of those who, like myself, know the language, and there are many who do, come back to it and leave their wives and children forsaken yonder, so great is their love for it. And now I know by experience the meaning of the saying, Sweet is the love of one's country. I left our village, as I said, and went to France, but though they gave us a kind reception there, I was anxious to see all that I could. I crossed into Italy, and reached Germany, and there it seemed to me we might live with more freedom, as the inhabitants do not pay attention to trifling points. Everyone lives as he likes, for in the most parts they enjoy liberty of conscience. I took a house in a town near Augsburg, and then joined these pilgrims, who are in the habit of coming to Spain in great numbers every year to visit the shrines there, which they look upon as their indies and a sure and certain source of gain. They travel nearly all over it, and there is no town out of which they do not go full up of meat and drink, as the saying is, and with a real, at least, in money, 
and they come off at the end of their travels with more than a hundred crowns saved, which, changed into gold, they smuggle out of the kingdom either in the hollow of their staves or in the patches of their pilgrims' cloaks or by some device of their own, and carry to their own country in spite of the guards at the posts and passes where they are searched. Now my purpose is, Sancho, to carry away the treasure that I left buried, which as it is outside of the town, I shall be able to do without risk, and to write or cross over from Valencia to my daughter and wife, who I know are at Algiers, and find some means of bringing them to some French port and thence to Germany, there to await what it may be God's will to do with us. For after all, Sancho, I know well that Ricotta, my daughter, and Francisco Ricotta, my wife, are Catholic Christians, and though I am not so much so, still I am more of a Christian than a Moor, and it is always my prayer to God that he will open the eyes of my understanding and show me how I am to serve him. But what amazes me, and I cannot understand, is why my wife and daughter should have gone to Barbary rather than to France, where they could live as Christians." To this Sancho replied, Remember, Ricote, that may not have been open to them, for Juan Tiopieo, thy wife's brother, took them, and being a true Moor, he went where he could go most easily. And another thing I can tell thee, it is my belief thou art going in vain to look for what thou hast left buried, for we heard they took from thy brother-in-law and thy wife a great quantity of pearls and money and gold, which they brought to be passed. That may be, said Ricote, but I know they did not touch my hoard, for I did not tell them where it was, for fear of accidents. And so, if thou wilt come to me, Sancho, and help me to take it away and conceal it, I will give thee two hundred crowns, wherewith thou mayst relieve thy necessities, and, as thou knowest, I know they are many. I would do it, said Sancho, but I am not at all covetous, for I gave up an office this morning in which, if I was, I might have made the walls of my house of gold and dined off silver plates before six months were over, and so for this reason, and because I feel I would be guilty of treason to my king if I helped his enemies, I would not go with thee if, instead of promising me two hundred crowns, thou wert to give me four hundred here in hand. "'And what office is this thou hast given up, Sancho?' asked Ricote. "'I have given up being governor of an island,' said Sancho, "'and such a one, faith, as you won't find the like of easily.' "'And where is this island?' said Ricote. "'Where?' said Sancho. Two leagues from here, and it is called the island of Barataria.' "'Nonsense, Sancho,' said Ricote. "'Islands are away out in the sea. "'There are no islands on the mainland.' "'What? No islands?' said Sancho. "'I tell thee, friend Ricote, I left it this morning, and yesterday I was governing there, as I pleased, like a Sagittarius. But for all that I gave it up, for it seemed to me a dangerous office, a governor's. "'And what hast thou gained by thy government?' asked Ricote. "'I have gained,' said Sancho, "'the knowledge that I am no good for governing, unless it is a drove of cattle, and that the riches that are to be got by these governments are at the cost of one's rest and sleep, ay, and even one's food, for in islands the governments must eat little, especially if they have doctors to look after their health.' 
"'I don't understand thee, Sancho,' said Ricote. "'But it seems to me all nonsense thou art talking. "'Who would give thee islands to govern? "'Is there any scarcity in the world of cleverer men "'that thou art for governors? "'Hold thy peace, Sancho, and come back to thy senses, "'and consider whether thou wilt come with me, "'as I said, to help me take away treasure I left buried, "'for indeed it may be called a treasure it is so large.' and I will give thee wherewithal to keep thee, as I told thee. And I have told thee already, Ricote, that I will not, said Sancho. Let it content thee that by me thou shalt not be betrayed, and go thy way in God's name, and let me go mine, for I know that well-gotten gain may be lost, but ill-gotten gain is lost, and its owner likewise. I will not press thee, Sancho, said Ricote, but tell me, "'Wert thou in our village when my wife and daughter and brother-in-law left it?' "'I was so,' said Sancho, "'and I can tell thee that thy daughter left it looking so lovely "'that all the village turned out to see her, "'and everybody said she was the fairest creature in the world. "'She wept as she went and embraced all her friends and acquaintances "'and those who came out to see her, "'and she begged them all to commend her to God and Our Lady his mother, "'and this in such a touching way that it made me weep myself.' though I am not much given to tears commonly, and faith, many a one would have liked to hide her, or go out and carry her off on the road, but the fear of going against the king's command kept them back. The one who showed himself most moved was Don Pedro Gregorio, the rich young heir thou knowest of, and they say he was deep in love with her, and since she left he has not been seen in our village again, and we all suspect he has gone after to steal her away." but so far nothing has been heard of it. "'I always had a suspicion that gentleman had a passion for my daughter,' said Ricote. "'But as I felt sure of my Ricota's virtue, it gave me no uneasiness to know that he loved her, for thou must have heard it said, Sancho, that the Morisco women seldom and never engage in amours with the old Christians. And my daughter, who I fancy thought more of being a Christian than love-making, would not trouble herself about the attentions of this heir.' "'God grant it,' said Sancho, "'for it would be a bad business for both of them. "'But now let me be off, friend Ricote, "'for I want to reach where my master Don Quixote is to-night.' "'God be with thee, brother Sancho,' said Ricote. "'My comrades are beginning to stir, "'and it is time, too, for us to continue our journey.' "'And then they both embraced, "'and Sancho mounted Dapple, "'and Ricote leapt upon his staff, "'and so they parted.'" End of chapter 54 Chapter fifty five of what befell Sancho on the road, and other things that cannot be surpassed. The length of time he delayed with Ricote prevented Sancho from reaching the Duke's castle that day, though he was within half a league of it when night, somewhat dark and cloudy, overtook him. This, however, as it was summer time, did not give him much uneasiness, and he turned aside out of the road, intending to wait for morning but his ill-luck and hard fate so willed it that he was searching about for a place to make himself as comfortable as possible he and dapple fell into a deep dark hole that lay among some very old buildings as he fell he commended himself with all his heart to god fancying that he was not going to stop until he reached the depths of the bottomless pit but it did not turn out so for at little more than thrice a man's height dapple touched bottom and he found himself sitting on him without having received any hurt or damage whatever he felt himself all over and held his breath to try whether he was quite sound or had a hole made in him anywhere 
and finding himself all right and whole and in perfect health, he was profuse in his thanks to God our Lord for the mercy that had been shown to him, for he made sure that he had been broken in a thousand pieces. He also felt along the sides of the pit with his hands to see if it were possible to get out of it without help, but he found they were quite smooth and afforded no hold anywhere, at which he was greatly distressed especially when he heard how pathetically and dolefully Dapple was bemoaning himself. And no wonder he complained, nor was it from ill-temper, for in truth he was not in a very good case. Alas, said Sancho, what unexpected accidents happen at every step to those who live in this miserable world! Who would have said that one who saw himself yesterday, sitting in a throne, governor of an island, giving orders to his servants and his vassals, would see himself to-day buried in a pit without a soul to help him, or a servant or vassal to come to his relief? Here we must perish with hunger, my ass, and myself, if indeed we don't die first, he of his bruises and injuries, and I of grief and sorrow. At any rate, I'll not be as lucky as my master Don Quixote of La Mancha, when he went down into the cave of that enchanted Montesinos, where he found people to make more of him than if he had been in his own house. For it seems he came in for a table laid out, and a bed ready made. There he saw fair and pleasant visions. But here I'll see, I imagine, toads and adders unlucky wretch that i am and what an end my follies and fancies have come to they'll take up my bones out of this when it is heaven's will that i am found picked clean white and polished and my good dapples with them and by that perhaps it will be found out who we are at least by such as have heard that sancho panza never separated from his ass nor his ass from sancho panza unlucky wretches i say again that our hard fate should not let us die in our own country and among our own people where if there was no help for our misfortune at any rate there would be some one to grieve for it and to close our eyes as we passed away o oh, comrade and friend how ill have i repaid thy faithful services forgive me and entreat fortune as well as thou canst to deliver us out of this miserable strait we are both in and I promise to put a crown of laurel on thy head, and make thee look like a poet laureate, and give thee double feeds. In this strain did Sancho bewell himself, and his ass listened to him, but answered him never a word. Such was the distress and anguish the poor beast found himself in. At length, after a night spent in bitter moanings and lamentations, day came, and by its light Sancho perceived that it was wholly impossible to escape out of that pit without help, and he fell into bemoaning his fate and uttering loud shouts to find out if there was any one within hearing. But all his shouting was only crying in the wilderness, for there was not a soul anywhere in the neighborhood to hear him and then at last he gave himself up for dead dapple was lying on his back and sancho helped him to his feet which he was scarcely able to keep and then taking a piece of bread out of his alforjas which had shared their fortune as in fall he gave it to the ass whom it was not unwelcome saying to him as if he understood him with bread all sorrows are less and now he perceived on one side of the pit a hole large enough to admit a person if he stooped and squeezed himself into a small compass 
Sancho made for it, and entered it by creeping, and found it wide and spacious on the inside, which he was able to see as a ray of sunlight that penetrated what might be called the roof, showed it all plainly. He observed, too, that it opened and widened out into another spacious cavity, seeing which he made his way back to where his ass was, and with a stone began to pick away the clay from the hole, until, in a short time, he made room for the beast to pass easily. And this accomplished, taking him by the halter, he proceeded to traverse the cavern to see if there was any outlet at the other end. He advanced, sometimes in the dark, sometimes without light, but never without fear. "'God Almighty, help me!' he said to himself. "'This that is a misadventure to me would make a good adventure for my master Don Quixote. He would have been sure to take these depths and dungeons for flowery gardens, or the places of Galliana, and would have counted upon issuing out of this darkness and imprisonment into some blooming meadow.' But I, unlucky that I am, hopeless and spiritless, except at every step, another pit deeper than the first to open under my feet and swallow me up for good. Welcome evil if thou comest alone. In this way, and with these reflections, he seemed to himself to have travelled rather more than half a league, when at last he perceived a dim light that looked like daylight, and found its way in on one side, showing that this road, which appeared to him the road to the other world, led to some opening. Here Cide Hamate leaves him and returns to Don Quixote, who in high spirits and satisfaction was looking forward to the day fixed for the battle he was to fight with him who had robbed Dona Rodriguez's daughter of her honor, for whom he hoped to obtain satisfaction for the wrong and injury shamefully done to her. It came to pass, then, that having sallied forth one morning to practice and exercise himself in what he would have to do in the encounter he expected to find himself engaged in the next day, as he was putting Rocinante through his paces, or pressing him to the charge, he brought his feet so close to a pit that, but for reining him in tightly, it would have been impossible for him to avoid falling into it. He pulled him up, however, without a fall, and coming a little closer, examined the hole without dismounting. But as he was looking at it, he heard loud cries proceeding from it, and by listening attentively was able to make out that he who uttered them was saying, Ho! above there! Is there any Christian that hears me, or any charitable gentleman that will take pity on a sinner buried alive, on an unfortunate discovered governor? It struck Don Quixote that it was the voice of Sancho Panza he heard, whereat he was taken aback and amazed, and raising his own voice as much as he could, he cried out, Who is below there? Who is that complaining? Who should be here, or who should complain, was the answer, but the forlorn Sancho Panza, for his sins and for his ill luck, governor of the islands of Barataria, squire that was to the famous knight Don Quixote of La Mancha. When Don Quixote heard this, his amazement was redoubled, and his perturbation grew greater than ever, for it suggested itself to his mind that Sancho must be dead, and that his soul was in torment down there, and carried away by this idea he exclaimed, I conjure thee by everything that was a Catholic Christian, I can conjure thee by, tell me who thou art, and if thou art a soul in torment, tell me what thou wouldst have me do for thee. 
for as my profession is to give aid and succor to those that need it in this world it will also extend to aiding and succoring the distressed of the other who cannot help themselves in that case answered the voice your worship who speaks to me must be my master don quixote of la mancha nay from the tone of the voice it is plain it can be nobody else don quixote i am replied don quixote he whose profession is to aid and succour the living and the dead in their necessities wherefore tell me who thou art for thou art keeping me in suspense because if thou art my squire sancho panza and art dead since the devils have not carried thee off and thou art by god's mercy in purgatory our holy mother the roman catholic church has intercessory means sufficient to release thee from the pains thou art in and i for my part will plead with her to that end so far as my substance will go without further delay therefore declare thyself and tell me who thou art by all that's good was the answer and by the birth of whomsoever your worship chooses i swear senor don quixote of la mancha that i am your squire sancho panza and that i have never died in all my life but that having given up my government for reasons that would require more time to explain i fell last night into this pit where i am now and dapple is witness and won't let me lie for more by token he is here with me nor was this all one would have fancied the ass understood what sancho said because that moment he began to bray so loudly that the whole cave rang again famous testimony exclaimed don quixote i know that bray as well as if i was its mother and thy voice too my sancho wait while i go to the duke's castle which is close by and i will bring some one to take thee out of this pit into which thy sins no doubt have brought thee go your worship said sancho and come back quick for god's sake for i cannot bear being buried alive any longer and i am dying of fear don quixote left him and hastened to the castle to tell the duke and duchess what had happened sancho and they were not a little astonished at it they could easily understand his having fallen from the confirmatory circumstance of the cave which had been in existence there from time immemorial but they could not imagine how he had quitted the government without their receiving any intimation of his coming to be brief they fetched ropes and tackle as the saying is and by dint of many hands and much labor they drew up dapple and sancho panza out of the darkness into the light of day a student who saw him remarked that's the way all bad governors should come out of their governments as this sinner comes out of the depths of the pit dead with hunger pale and i suppose without a farthing sancho overheard him and said it is eight or ten days brother growler since i entered upon the government of the island they gave me and all that time i never had a bellyful of victuals no not for an hour doctors persecuted me and my enemies crushed my bones nor had i any opportunity of taking bribes or levying taxes and if that be the case as it is i don't deserve i think to come out in this fashion but man proposes and god disposes and god knows what is best and what suits each one best and as the occasion so that behaviour and let nobody say i won't drink of this water and where one thinks there art flitches there are no pegs god knows my meaning and that's enough i say no more though i could 
"'Be not angry or annoyed at what thou hearest, Sancho,' said Don Quixote, "'or there will never be an end of it. "'Keep safe conscience, and let them say what they like, "'for trying to stop slanderers' tongues "'is like trying to put gates to the open plain. "'If a governor comes out of his government rich, "'they say he has been a thief, "'and if he comes out poor, "'that he has been a noodle and a blockhead.' "'They'll be pretty sure this time,' said Sancho, "'to set me down for a fool rather than a thief.' Thus talking, and surrounded by boys and a crowd of people, they reached the castle, where in one of the corridors the duke and duchess stood waiting for them. But Sancho would not go up to see the duke until he had first put up Dapple into the stable, for he said that he had passed a very bad night in his last quarters. Then he went upstairs to see his lord and lady, and kneeling before them, he said, "'Because it was your highness's pleasure, not because of any desert of my own, I went to govern your island of Barataria, which I entered naked, and naked I find myself. I neither lose nor gain. Whether I had governed well or ill, I have had witnesses who will say what they think fit. I have answered questions, I have decided causes.' and always dying of hunger, for Dr. Pedro Recio of Tirte Fuera, the island and governor-doctor, would have it so. Enemies attacked us by night and put us in a great quandary, but the people of the island say they came off safe and victorious by the might of my arm, and may God give them as much health as there's truth in what they say. In short, during that time I have weighed the cares and responsibilities governings bring with it, and by my reckoning I find my shoulders can't bear them, nor are they a load for my loins, or arrows for my quiver, and so, before the government threw me over, I preferred to throw the government over, and yesterday morning I left the island, as I found it, with the same streets, houses, and roofs it had when I entered it. I asked no loan of anybody, nor did I try to fill my pocket, and though I meant to make some useful laws, I made hardly any, as I was afraid they would not be kept, for in that case it comes to the same thing to make them or not to make them. I quitted the island, as I said, without any escort except my ass. I fell into a pit, I pushed on through it until this morning, by the light of the sun I saw an outlet, but not so easy a one, but that had not heaven sent my master don quixote i'd have stayed there till the end of the world so now my lord and lady duke and duchess here is your governor sancho panza who in the bare ten days he has held the government has come by the knowledge that he would not give anything to be governor nor to say of an island but of the whole world and that point being settled, kissing your worship's feet, and imitating the game of the boys when they say, Leap thou, and give me one, I take leap out of the government, and pass into the service of my master Don Quixote. For, after all, though in it I eat my bread in fear and trembling, at any rate I take my fill, and for my part, so long as I'm full, it's alike to me whether it's with carrots or with partridges. Here Sancho brought his long speech to an end. Don Quixote, having been the whole time in dread of his uttering a host of absurdities, and when found him leave off with so few, he thanked heaven in his heart. The duke embraced Sancho, and told him he was heartily sorry he had given up the government so soon, but that he would see that he was provided with some other post on his estate, less onerous and more profitable. 
the duchess also embraced him and gave orders that he should be taken good care of as it was plain to see he had been badly treated and worse bruised End of chapter fifty five recording by brianna simmons carson city nevada www.simmyspot.blogspot.com